Hi, from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat Michael Bauer, Republican Dan Proft, Randall Sanborn of the U.S. Attorney's Office, and anti-Trump Republican Chris Veronis. Our program to Nuke coming to you from the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago, where our phone lines open at 1-800-723-8029. That's 1-800-723-8029. If you'd like to email me a comment, it's Bruce Dumont at museum.tv. If you want to tweet me, it's at Dumo at D-U-M-O. If you want to join us on the World Wide Web, it's beyondthebeltway.com. If you miss the show any Sunday night, it's always there. And, of course, you can also now watch us live on our Facebook page, Bruce Dumont at uh, Beyond the Beltway. So you're a lot of ways to find us. And again, we have lots to talk about with the elections of this past Tuesday, but uh, also a little bit later on in the broadcast after the hour, uh, second hour, we're going to be joining, uh, getting a report from uh, the fires in California, devastating fires both in the north and southern part of the Golden State. Uh, first of all, let's let's take a look at the, the results. Many of the res- results are not even in. In the House races, uh, if we were to put up that graphic, uh, which I guess we are going to look it up right now, the, there are 435 members of Congress, as you know. Right at this moment, there are 231 Democrats. There are 204 Republicans who have been elected. There's a, five, there's a little over five seats that are still not yet uh, determined. It takes 218 to get control of the House. So the Democrats will have control of the House. In the Senate, where things are also have tightened up a little bit since Tuesday night, we have a total of 51 Republicans elected, 46 Democrats. That's a two-vote pickup by the Republicans. But again, uh, there are Senate seats uh, in uh, Arizona that are up. Uh, or being challenged at the moment. There's the Senate seat of Rick Scott uh, against uh, Bill Nelson in Florida, and then there's going to be a runoff in uh, Mississippi on December 3rd. So that will determine the final results. And again, uh, these, are the, these are the big, big races. We're going to get to the gubernatorial challenges and races uh, a little bit later on in the broadcast. But I want to begin. Dan Proft, nice to have you with us, a, Thank a you. political activist in the state of Illinois and also a, a talk show host every morning on AM560, WIND in Chicago. Nice to have you with us. My question to you is, in listening to all of the network analysis, and obviously uh, the, the Democrats and some of their supporters in the media are talking about that what a great night it was for the House and that really it may be a blue wave in the House, but no one has made out made the point that 45 House Republicans, incumbents, retired, and they stepped aside. Had those 45 Republicans not stepped aside, and many of them probably stepped aside because of an uh, uncomfortableness with the president, but had those 45 not stepped aside, I don't think we would be looking at the blue wave that appears right now. Well, I I also don't think it's a blue wave. I mean, you're talking about numbers that are slightly above historical averages for the party out of power in a midterm election over the last century, number one. And number two, I mean, I I describe it a little bit more like a blue tornado. It touched down in certain places around the country, but not everywhere. And um, you saw, for example, the surge in turnout is what put DeSantis and Rick Scott into the poll positions, at least, if not the victory lane, uh, in Florida. It put 
uh, Mike DeWine in the governor's mansion in Ohio. It put Mike Braun in the Senate in Indiana. So it's, uh, it's interesting to see that the Democrat it girls that Obama campaigned for, that raised all the money, that had all the press coverage, Beto O'Rourke and Miss um, Abrams in Georgia, uh, they, won, they, they lost. Or Abrams has not conceded yet, but she, she lost. Um, so, so I think it was, frankly, a, a bit of a split decision. It was a good night for Democrats in the House, took over the House, and that we're going to have divided government. That does change the landscape for the next uh, two years. But it's, it was not some kind of nationwide repudiation of Trump. Michael Bauer, you're our Democrat. Uh, your reaction to Dan's assessment and also uh, to my point that when you start with 45 basically incumbents leaving open seats, uh, that's leaving a lot on the table at the get-go. Well, first of all, actually, I'm going to surprise you and tell you there's not a lot I disagree with on with Dan's uh, uh, perce- perception of the election. Uh, two things I want to say that I think were great about Tuesday election. Number one, the level of turnout in this country. I think it was the highest uh, level of turnout in midterms in 50 years. I think it's great when voters participate in elections. Over so 100 that's a, million. So that's a, that's a terrific thing. Number two, I think many of the candidates winning who won uh, represent a great diversity. You had a lot of women who won, a lot of veterans who ran for both parties who won. Um, you had uh, two Native Americans, two uh, Muslim uh, uh, candidates who won. Uh, so I think the diversity, particularly in the House, is a great thing. As far as the overall uh, uh, results, I think they were mixed. Obviously, the Democrats took over the House. I expect Nancy Pelosi will be the next speaker, and, and she's going to go mano a mano with the president. But I will also tell you in the Senate, I think, uh, by the fact that Trump uh, and the Republicans are able to add probably two, uh, two more seats to the 51-49 that they had in the last session, that all of a sudden it lessens the ability of Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins to mess with the president. Good, good point. Uh, Chris Veronis, uh, you are a Republican. You kind of smiled when in the introduction I said an anti-Trump Republican, but you've never backed away from that for the last several times you've been on this program. Oh, I, I, I'd say I'm a Trump critic, uh, a sometimes Trumper. Um, and I, I would agree, really, with – I mean, maybe we could go four for four here. <laughs> um, New era of bipartisanship. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and you know, I, I like Dan's analogy about the blue tornado. I might use it myself elsewhere. Um, you, you know, th- this, wasn't, this wasn't a wave that 94 was with 52 seats the Republicans or 2010, 63 seats. This was actually the same right now in 2006 when Democrats won 31 seats but also got the Senate. Um, you would think, though, if you looked at the mainstream media and the Democratic Party, the activist wing of the Democratic Party with <clears throat> the, the toxicity of Trump, you would think that would be enough um, to get to 50 seats or beyond and take the Senate. But that did not happen. Mm-hmm. And, and what, 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 what did happen last Tuesday, I believe, is um, the, the country got redder and bluer. In different places, nothing really changed, even though the Democrats picked up the House. Randall Sandborn, thank you. By the way, I should mention you're formally with the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, from the introduction. And also, uh, you're not not an open Democrat, but we're going to see if we can pick that up uh, during your analysis tonight. Go ahead. Well, Bruce, I think there's one caveat, especially when you analyze the House races, where I think you have to look at each district, because you did have key incumbents like uh, Dana Rohrbacher and even closer to Chicago with Holkren and Roskam uh, seats turning over to uh, Democrats. It does show that 
every district, there was an influence of, as we talked about earlier, suburban women who came out to vote and voted Democrat. So I think there's some balance where you have to look at the particular House races where incumbents lost. Well, you know what's interesting? I mean, one of the things you want to talk about, two Americas, red, blue America, let's drill down a little bit deeper. So 80% of the most college-educated districts in this country are controlled by Democrats, and 60% of the districts with the least college-educated are controlled by Republicans. So education level, uh, in addition to household income, needs to be part of this conversation. Okay, and it will when we roll on. 1-800-723-8289 if you want to weigh in on how the election went, either in your home district, in your state, or nationally, give us a call. 1-800-723-8289 from coast to coast and border to border and around the world on beyondthebeltway.com. I'm Bruce Dumont. Are you planning for the day when you can retire to your dream home in Palm Springs, California? A day surrounded by spectacular scenery, golf courses, a rich cultural life, and great dining? If you are, you'll need a guide, someone who knows where to look, an experienced broker, someone who knows the desert communities of Southern California and all they have to offer. That person is Brian Beard, who's been making dreams come true for over 13 years, selling over $100 million in real estate, including celebrity and architecturally significant homes to the rich and famous, and more importantly, to people just like you. Brian's company, Caldwell Banker, has agents worldwide, but Brian Beard is your man in Palm Springs. Call Brian now at 760-799-7096. That's 760-799-7096. Or visit him online at BrianSellsTheDesert.com. Let's do one back in Chicago. Thanks very much for for joining us. We're talking about uh, the... uh, the house battle so far. Uh, and, uh, Dan, I want to come back to you about one of the biggest issues that most people are looking at when they look at the results. They're saying that where President Trump went to, to fight for a Senate candidate, he did very well because he had these huge rallies. But there were a lot of places that Republicans did not ask him to go, and he named them by name yes. the other day at the White House, <laughs> yes. including uh, Peter Roskam, who is a, from suburban Chicago, who uh, everybody around this table uh, knows or certainly knows of. Um, and the issue is, has the president's rhetoric gone so far that suburban Republican women are just not going to come back to the president, even though they may agree with his policies, they just despise the guy, and that's a big problem for him in 2020. I think never is too strong a word. I mean, I, that word, did some people vote to send a message to the president that they didn't like his tweeting, they didn't like how he communicates on every issue? Yes, absolutely. There's no question. Um, but, uh, you know, elections are choices, and so context is important. And so who the Democrats nominated in 2020 will have a lot to say about whether or not there's a pathway back for uh, President Trump with respect to suburban women. Although I, I have to say, just as a... a a general statement. I think um, the D.C. press corps and and the Republican Party obsess way too much about suburban women and making well-to-do suburban women sort of the special designated class that we have to uh, pander to, which has been the approach. I think it's a mistake. I think it's proven to be a mistake. I think candidates in those areas who lost um, approached uh, the the Trump issue the wrong way, tried to kind of run from it and hide from it, thinking, well, if I retreat, my opponent won't follow me. Well, that's not exactly necessarily how it works. It's a sign of weakness that can also be exploited. 
But I, I just want to say one other thing, too, just in the context of this conversation. At the end of the day, at the end of Tuesday and at the end of these recounts, the Republican Party is still the majority party in this country before we start to, you know, uh, eulogize the Republican Party. Still the majority of governorships, still the majority of state legislatures, still have the Senate with an increased majority, still have the White House. So let's just sort of p- pump the brakes on this you know, paradigm shift that the D.C. press corps wants to suggest happened. Randy, is it a good idea that, the Demo- that we're going to look at split control now, joint control? Because the president will have someone to blame if things don't happen. Right. And so the real test is going to be how the Democrats do with that power in the House and whether they focus on issues and look at um, taking votes that are based on principle or if they just spend all of their time uh, focusing on investigations and subpoenas that could backfire on them. Michael, do you agree with that, that if they go impeachment and investigations, uh, they're, they're missing the boat to get some of those voters that turned the other way back in 2016 and this campaign? Well, I, I think part of the mandate for the... Uh, for Nancy Pelosi and the House Democrats is actually doing something on uh, protecting health care in the Affordable Care Act, is uh, doing immigration reform, doing something on gun control, and and yet when they take votes, that's going to make them more vulnerable in the next election. And and their legislation isn't going to pass because it's all going to get blocked in the Senate. So they're in a tough spot. But but would you say that right now the the president, with, with the Democrats now in control of the House, he has an excuse why he can't build his wall. Absolutely. He's got a foil, and he's going to blame everything on Nancy Pelosi, and Nancy Pelosi is going to blame everything on Donald Trump. So, and, and, and these are two very strong personalities. And notice I'm leaving out of, out of, the, uh, out of this yeah. uh, Chuck Schumer, because Chuck Schumer, to me, is fairly irrelevant in the whole process. It's the uh, three of them, yeah. Trump, McConnell, and Pelosi. Chris, does, I, I, does the illegal immigration issue still represent the biggest problem for the Republicans internally. That they just, you, you've got almost a 50-50 split within, yeah, within I, Congress well, as to how, what they want to do on this issue, and most of them don't want to build a wall. I, or it would have been built. I've been someone who said that if that actually came up for a vote in, in the House, <clears> it would <throat> pass. It would. Um, the problem is the energy right now is with the restrictionist forces in the Republican Party, it's, it's too divisive an issue. I, I think Trump uh, wants to keep it alive, personally. Um, and he does have a foil. And I, I'm actually getting back to your earlier question. I think it's important. I actually think I'm one who believes that Trump looked at the electoral lay of the land and just wrote off the House. Um, he wasn't going to keep it. And he ran where he knew he could make a difference and consolidate his power. I mean, he lost people like Corker and Flake. And the people that replaced these guys pledged fealty to him. So he consolidated his his own grip on the Republican Party, made it more in his image. Um, And And and, and by the way, if if Sinema, the Democrat, wins in Arizona, he may have a more reliable vote than John McCain. (laughs) And so I I agree as well that he got himself probably one of the best villains that you could have that's domestic because – Muslims, Chinese, and Mexicans are not domestic. He's got Nancy Pelosi now. But, but I hear both of you talking a little bit about the Republican Party as a monolithic party, that everybody's on the same page from the White House to the, to the state houses. And 
I think it's very likely we're going to see a Republican insurgency against Trump in 2020 that Flake or uh, Kasich or somebody else out there in the Republican Party is going to mount a primary challenge. And they're going to get 30 percent of the vote. Mm -hmm. That's about it. Uh, I'd be surprised surprised if they got 30 percent. I mean, unless something unless something massive happens with one of these investigations that's ongoing or that the Democrats decide to launch. That you really have, you start to see smoking guns that uh, compromise the presidency. There is zero chance. I mean, zero chance that a Jeff Flake or a John Kasich in this environment is going to even register on the scale, much less present any threat or lead any movement against Trump. That's well, just there's the fantasy. third party option. Go ahead. And get get one, you know, be, be like Ralph Nader and get one percent of the vote. I mean, it's possible, but I mean, they're they're not going to be a factor. Is my point. Yeah. They're not going to be a factor. Yeah, I, unless, I, I, unless you I have think re- two thousand redux. What, what's clear after this election is that Donald's Trump, Don, Donald Trump's power was not diminished, even though right. he lost the House. I think it was strengthened. Actually, mm-hmm. I think it was strengthened yeah, by picking up a yeah. couple yeah. seats in the Senate and getting well, rid of uh, critics of his. You know, 100%. Kasich, Kasich is 100%. now a former governor, and, and you know, as you said, Corker is gone. Corker, you know, Flake, Flake is gone. You know, John McCain is you know passed away, well, and so, all these so, House members also, too. Critics, all, all the all the right. Barbara Comstocks of the world, right? They're, they're his gone. critics are pretty much gone. Yeah. <clears throat> and also, uh, you mentioned the, the gubernatorial races. I mean, I think one of the one of the biggest pluses for him probably brought a huge smile to his face was the election of, of Mike DeWine in in Ohio, right. yeah. who basically has been around that state for you know thirty years. And he still won. It was a tightly tight race, but he won. Right. John Sununu won in New Hampshire. Chris, a tight race. Chris Sununu. A tight, tight race, by the right. way. The, the, I was the surprised. New, there's a new new Republican governor, uh, four-year term in Iowa. Right. And again, if Chris DeSantis, or if DeSantis mm-hmm. holds on in Florida, yeah. and and McMaster was an easy winner in South Carolina. I mean, these are the five states. If you're planning your primaries, yeah. I mean, these Although, are all the states you need, and and I they know. now control the machinery with the possible exception of Florida. Let's take a moment to talk about Florida. Um, what do, you, what do we make of, what start, do we make of can, Florida? Can I start first on Florida? Absolutely. And this is not just indicative of Florida. It's indicative of other states in this country, too. I find it unbelievable in the year 2018 we are unable to hold elections in the United States where votes are counted accurately and timely. It is unconscionable with, with the fact that we have these – we have high tech in this country that makes these unbelievable devices that have so much power that we carry in the palm of our hands, and yet we can't hold proper elections. We're like a third world country. This is insane. Does anybody doubt that? I mean, the question in, in, yeah, in, well, in Florida, I mean, you have, an, you have an elected official down there who seems to – she get her, get, gets excited when she violates the laws and the constitution yeah. of the state. And she's been slapped down. Her hand has been slapped down by by federal judges. There's a lot of trouble. I, I haven't been following the the recount too closely, but there's a lot of troubling irregularities that are coming out. I think it was today that you that, that the the news was that both races are being recounted. Yes, yes. Yeah. the go- governor and mm-hmm. senate. And I think um, they're go- manually, not just uh, the the. Well, it's a, right. It's, right and, yeah. I mean, it's a good reminder that elections are not federal. They're state and local exercises, even when the, the president is on the ballot. And so Broward County is an outlier because you have somebody that is the head of the county commissioners there, the election commissioners, who's either, as Marco Rubio said, is at best incompetent. 
and at worst something else. Right. At best, she's incompetent. And we have that in Illinois. Cook County has long been right. incompetent. Frankly, to be fair, uh, DuPage County, which is the biggest Republican county, once upon a time it used to be, uh, in Illinois, um, has had real problems, too, with uh, timely reporting of election results. Right. So there is, a, there is this issue of competence at the local government level, which is why you know, small-c conservatives like me believe in subsidiarity. Uh, this is a good reminder about, you know, kind of distant government as well as local government, the need for accountability at every level. Yeah. And also in Arizona, I mean, that's that's uh, crazy what's going on out there. They're, in each state, they're discovering votes that they didn't discover on election right. day, which makes the whole thing sound fishy. Let's go to actually we're going to wait a little while on, uh, with our call because we're about to go to a break. But uh, what was the biggest surprise for you on election night, Chris Bronis? Any particular race that surprised you more than others? Um, well, the biggest heartbreaker was Scott Walker. <laughs> so yeah, I was sorry. I was really sorry to see him go. I, he's a scrapper. Um, I, he, he hung in tough, and then all of a sudden he had 30,000 votes come out of Milwaukee and Madison at the end. Um, I, I think the surprise for me was how strong the Democrats did in the Midwest and the upper Midwest. Um, so that, that could be a long-term problem. Um, it makes uh, – actually, the interesting thing is, is even if, you, even if you give Pennsylvania and Michigan to the Democrats, Trump still has a path to 270 with Wisconsin. Um, but I think the surprise for me is how well they did um, in the Midwest. I want to hear a reaction from everybody else to that same question. We'll also take telephone calls. And also when we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, uh, the Senate and control of the Senate and House and who are going to be the new leaders emerging in the House. What is ahead, for instance, for Maxine Waters? 1-800-723-8289. I'm Bruce Dupont. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida, so why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sit cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Back in Chicago. Nice to have you with us. Uh, uh, we're going to take a, a, at least a few minutes off here to talk about another big story of last week, and that is the Attorney General uh, was finally uh, uh, pushed to uh, deliver his resignation letter by the President. Uh, Randall, uh, take us inside all, the, all that's happening as you see it in the Justice Department. Thank you, Bruce. So it's hard to know exactly where to begin. Donald Trump said he was going to have all the best people helping out serving his government. And I think that this is a, not only an example that is the opposite of that, but 
when he fired Jim Comey, which I thought was wrong, he said that Comey had lost the leadership of the FBI, he, there was low morale, he was not popular. Well, I think that Matt Whitaker's appointment as attorney general um, runs the same risk of demoralizing completely the people who serve every day in the Department of Justice representing uh, the government in the United States courts. And um, it, it's just, you can have a discussion about whether you think it's illegal or unconstitutional. I think we all read and are aware of the op-ed in the New York Times written by George Conway and Neil Katyal, which was very well reasoned. But put aside that argument. It, it's the, it's the uh, overall scenario of taking somebody who was not in the line of succession and and slotting him into a position under the Vacancy Reform Act, which may have allowed him to do this, that contemplates the departure of a cabinet officer through death, resignation. This was not a voluntary departure by Jeff Sessions. And the tradition and custom and better practice for government would be if a Senate-confirmed constitutional officer, the Deputy Attorney General, the Solicitor General, an Assistant Attorney General of any of the department's litigating divisions was instead installed in that capacity because the, the purpose of both the succession statutes and the Vacancy Reform Act is not to allow a chief executive to summarily dismiss a cabinet official and install somebody he wants that doesn't have a Senate-confirmed basis to exercise that authority, which is immense. Yeah. Chris? Well, I, I'm, um, I don't know if I could go pound for pound with okay. Randy on this <laughs> issue, but what I do know is that the law points in several different directions. The laws, I should say, um, you've got constitutional advice and consent. You've got something called the Attorney, the Attorney General Succession Act. And then you've got um, the uh, Vacancy Reform Act, which is what the Trump people are pointing to and saying that they've got legitimacy to put Whitaker in. Um, this will play itself out. This is a revenge firing. That's what it is. He never liked Sessions. Um, he was counting the minutes until he could do this. Um, I, you know, I'm someone who believes that this investigation, the Mueller investigation, should not be quashed. Um, but th- there is something a little grating if you're the president and you've got the executive branch, branch that's investigating itself. Um, so, I, well, you know, I, I, I think he, he's got the right to put in the attorney general that he wants. Well, first of all, I just love this because uh, this week because you've got uh, leftists holding rallies to protect a former FBI director. <laughs> And Rachel Maddow decrying the firing of Jeff Sessions. So, I mean, uh, it couldn't be more delicious politically, for goodness sake. Um, the uh, process argument is a lot, le- lot less interesting to me than the substance argument. And so, so Randy, uh, uh, is Matt, Matt Whitaker unqualified for the job? I don't think he's in the top 100 people in this country who could be picked to serve as Attorney General of the United States. The unqualified. And the point that Chris just made, you have a right to install who you want, then put him before the Senate and have him go through the confirmation process. Well, isn't that going to happen, though? We don't know that. Everybody's on an interim basis. He's He's an acting AG. But there's no process to confirm him. And so he's installed a loyalist rather than choosing the best person. But he's qualified. As a loyalist, that's what you do as the president and the executive branch. Number one, let's see an ethics opinion on whether or not he should be supervising the Mueller investigation. That, that's done every day in the department.
Department of Justice, and he's refusing to go through that process here, there's something wrong with that picture. And number two, here's a man who was involved in apparently running a company that is under federal government investigation itself. There is a cloud over him. And to then say that this person should be exercising the authority of the attorney general in all matters is a far reach. If he's, a, he's, a, he's an interim. And the president said the other day that no matter who I pick, the Democrats are going are, are to come up and complain about it. I mean, what would you say if what would you say if he chooses? And again, it's been rumored that he might choose Chris Christie. Are we going to go all through the Bridgegate investigation well, before he's approved? Or Rudy. I, 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 or Rudy. Or let, Rudy Giuliani. That could take years to get him approved. Let him nominate and send to the Senate Rudy or Chris Christie or Matt Whitaker and go through that process so that there can be a hearing and, and, and qualifications tested based on their background, whether it's Bridgegate or this company in Florida. If they're Senate confirmed, I don't have a problem with that. But in the meantime, there's a dozen officials at DOJ who have been through that process that President Trump put there. So why could not one of them have been installed to be acting attorney general? Do you general? think this... D- uh, who should he have gone with, Bruce Orr? I, you know, I, that, that's on. not who I'm talking about. That's not who I'm talking about, Dan. I'm talking about Brian Benkowski, the head of the criminal division. I'm talking about Noel Francisco, the solicitor general. He could even bypass Rod Rosenstein, and I wouldn't have a problem with that if he chose somebody who is in a senior capacity at the department who was not a chief of staff but a leader of the department who's been Senate confirmed. How long do you think the interim uh, appointment will run? Well, could, this, this is an acting position. I mean, it could run for a year. It can go 210 days. Yeah, almost a year. I mean, so okay. here's the thing. I, Lindsey Graham said today on one of the Sunday talkies, look, I, um, as far as I can, as far as he knows, uh, I don't know what his knowledge of Matt Whitaker is, but seems qualified for the position. He thinks the Mueller investigation is going to go on and he should go on to its natural conclusion whenever and however that takes form. And so as long as that happens, I think this controversy about Matt Whitaker will subside. Does Michael... Does the average American care who the attorney general is? No. Know who the attorney general is, much less care. (laughs) The average American does not. But this is part. This is another battle. This is a this is a DC media Democrat. The war over the next two years. We are going to fight this war on many many battles, and this is probably the opening battle. Well, unfortunately, what we don't know yet, and hopefully we will be able to is what effect it's having already on the Mueller investigation. Are there indictments that are ready to be unsealed? We don't know. Is Whitaker already stopping that from happening? We don't know. So there has got to be some process, and there will be, because if he begins to take steps where there is a perception of interference, people will leak and they will resign, and things will happen that we'll know. So then you'll have your checks and balances. and, And the other thing that's very interesting is I thought that the other day, it might not be capable within 210 days to test the legality and constitutionality of the appointment. But on Friday, the D.C. Court of Appeals ordered Mueller's team and the attorneys for a a colleague of Roger Stone's who's trying to quash a subpoena to provide briefing to the D.C. Court of Appeals by the middle of next week on the effect that Whitaker's appointment has on the oversight of Mueller. So we are already at that second stage of the federal court t- uh, tier to see whether or not there's something here that could be litigated. Why, but, uh, isn't, why isn't there some court that's going to say to Mr. Mueller, you've got, you've got 60 more days to get this done, or 30 more days? I mean, at what, at what point is, is, is waiting for this report 
from your perspective, you spent a lot of time, most of your adult life has been inside the Justice Department. How long should the public wait, given the fact that this really has weighted down political discussion in the country and the president's uh, ability to be president? One of the great unanswered mysteries of all time is why do federal investigations take so long? I thought when I went to work for the government that I would learn the answer to that question. And when I left 20 <laughs> years later, I'm no better off at providing that explanation than to say that every investigation has to run its course, that these are competent people who are running out ground balls, running into battles over subpoenas, and investigations take time. We've seen tremendous results from this investigation in a very short period of time. Do you find from, it rather wow. curious? Uh, uh, go ahead. Yeah. I don't know about tremendous results. I mean, look, here. here's the thing. Ultimately, uh, the person whose credibility on, is on the line long-term in this mm. and politically in this is Mueller. It is not Matt Whitaker. Matt Whitaker is going to be a footnote in this whole thing uh, when it's all said and done. It's Bob Mueller uh, putting up something other than Manafort or even Roger Stone. And if he doesn't, then this is going to be seen as the witch hunt that it appears to be sans evidence. And do we remember the day when Robert Mueller was a Republican darling nominated to be FBI director and stayed by the, by the his, media by, by the his media. term? And it was a straight arrow, an ex-Marine, a law enforcement guy who protected this country after 9-11. Where do we – I was very distressed today to see his approval rating in the low 40 percent. It's just unbelievable that – we have a society that is demanding instant gratification and answers that wants entertainment value. Randall, Mueller Randall, doesn't don't, supply don't, that. Don't you understand that the difference between that, first of all, it was, it was the D.C. media and some establishment Republicans who gave him this credibility that, that you say, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't dismiss that. But the other point is what's come out in that, the way in which he's conducted himself, is the investigators that he has hired, is the connections yeah. uh, to the Democrats, the connections, the, you know, the, the texts, the emails. I mean, no, no, those things the, change, the, because the he's first, the guy who made those selections. And the very Not first thing he did he was challenged. dismiss Peter Strzok from his team when he found out about the texts. Yes, yeah, but, 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 but the public looks at this all like <clears throat> the, the top six guys at FBI and Bruce Orr and other people at Justice. And, oh, now we okay. learn now we learn a little bit more about uh, Bob Mueller's uh, history, including him and Jim Comey mishandling the anthrax case. And this is all very interesting. And so, and, and the other thing is, Democrat politicians like Adam Schiff and others prattling on for the last 18 months with conspiracy theories and no evidence to back them up. And so Mueller gets tagged with that too. Too bad, so sad. That's the arena you're in. All I can tell you is that no one has ever said that when you go to work as a federal prosecutor or law enforcement agent that you have to not have personal opinions. But what you do have to do is leave those at the door when you do your work. And in 20 years inside DOJ, I never saw political considerations influence one investigation. Good for you. But that, I don't but, think but that's that, happening here. But that's here. not the case. You can't work for the Department of Justice and look at the Peter Strzok things and say, wait a minute, uh, this is this is. This is not right. And, I, and again, I don't, Mueller did fire him for that or take a reassign him for that. But you know what? That's something that he should have known about before he hired Peter Strzok. Well, That's what a lot of people are upset about. He may have been a straight arrow at the beginning of things, but again, Bruce he's made some bad decisions. I've got to pause. i got to pause back to early Bruce Dumont. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? 
It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, City Walk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City at HiltonUniversal.com. They let you be the star in Hollywood. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Uh, here's a comment I want to give everybody's reaction. This We talked about 100 million people voted in the, in the midterms, which was uh, almost an all-time uh, uh, high, certainly in a long, long time. The turnout reflects how much the electorate feels is at stake between Democrats and Republicans. In the past, 20 years ago, there were lower turnouts because most people didn't think that voting for one party over the other made much difference. But now, since the Republicans and Democrats have different views of the future, it inspires more people to become involved. Right. Reaction? A- absolutely. And I think, I think that's a great thing. There was higher turnout among Democrats, higher turnout among Republicans. And I think both is very positive for our country. Chris? Everyone notices a flash of lightning. So, I, I mean, you know, Donald Trump has brought a lot of energy on both sides to, to the political process. And, and, and it's carrying through to this day. It hadn't subsided since the moment he came in the White House. Let's go to Tom, listening to us on WPIC in Youngstown, Ohio. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tom. Good evening, Bruce, Good evening, Bruce and to your guest. Yeah, you know, first of all, Bruce, is another excellent program. Thank you. Um, I don't know which to dread more, Nancy Pelosi being third in line for the presidency or Maxine Waters being head of the finance, House Finance uh, uh, Oversight Committee. And I say that because uh, in explaining to her constituents that she was going to be in charge of that. She said that includes insurance industry, uh, stock market, and banking industry, and that she's going to do to them, and I'm quoting, we're going to do to them what they've been doing to us. And my question in that respect is, uh, will that disrupt the economy in any way? And secondly, um, with the House having uh, the privilege of generating the revenue bills, uh, except for Obamacare, um, what will happen to the wall, and, and, and what might the Democrats do as far as ICE is concerned? Um, in terms okay, of let's go, okay. let's, go, let's go to Mike, because okay. we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. You do not believe that getting rid of ICE is the official position of the Democratic Party. And, and, and I expect there won't be any uh, significant movement in the uh, U.S. House to, uh, to uh, abolish ICE. It's a foolish issue. I mean, what we're talking about are whether we agree with the policies or not that ICE is uh, implementing, not whether ICE should exist. Of course, of course, you need uh, uh, immigration and customs enforcement. Well, we I mean, I mean, I mean don't, don't tell that to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the Democrat socialist the base yeah. where, that uh, have all signed on to this idea of abolishing ICE. I mean, that's where the energy is in the Democrat Party. So, I mean, they're not going to go quietly. Well, you know what? You know, I have to tell you, I strongly disagree with that. Okay. I recognize Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez 
you know, Republicans want to make her the face of the Democratic Party. Wow. All right? All right? Yeah, Democrats she, are doing a pretty good job of that, Michael. She's not the face of the Party. She's not the face of the Democratic Party. Nor, by the way, is Tom Perez, nor is Hillary Clinton. How come Tom you Perez know? is never on TV? He is on television. Yeah. He's usually, I always yeah, change the station. He's swearing, and so I they can't do that on the station when he's on. Yeah. But, but yeah. you know, I mean, okay, we have some, some, some nut cakes. The Republicans have Steve King, right? <clears throat> You know, and, and he's not the face of the Republican Party either. You know, so we all have our problems. Yeah, but I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about dozens and dozens of Democrat incumbents who have signed on to the proposition of abolishing ICE, plus where the energy is with hashtag MoveOn.org and these you, you don't, net grass and net roots organizations is abolish ICE. So they're not going to go quietly, is my point. You, including you, look, Beto O'Rourke. Right. Okay. They don't, right. I, I just, announced I just, as one of the right. top-tier candidates for 2020. I, 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 I can wrong. remember in the 90s watching C-SPAN or whatever and seeing this crazy bald guy from Vermont saying, like, insane rantings. And I, who is this guy, I would say? And he's actually fun to watch. Look at him today cultivating this new oh. crop. Of of Democratic leaders, and I, I, I disagree, Michael. He's yeah, in the Democrat it's not Party. just Ocasio Cortez. Right. It's Ayanna Presley in Boston. Yeah, it's right. uh, Ilan Omar in right. Minnesota. Right. Right. So right. the right. Democrats, Camilla what they've Harris. done, yeah, Camilla Harris. But 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 I'm talking about particularly in the House. Okay, what they've yeah. done yeah. is they ran a good campaign in a Rahm Emanuel style, like where it really mirrored the districts. Right. Right. And that's where the energy is with this young crop that that kind of brings. Bernie Sanders' rantings into the House. But again, do you well, think that, that like, 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 like in Illinois, there were, there were two uh, takeaways in Illinois. Uh, one is Caston, uh, who beat uh, 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 Peter, Roskam. Peter Roskam, and then you have uh, Lauren Underwood. Do you think that either of them will be part of this new wing that you are saying is going to yeah. call for ICE? I well, don't think I, so. I, I mean, I think Nancy Pelosi will be Speaker. I, I think all this talk about... Uh, the revolt is it, it's just it's just to get to, to dial the political pressure down um, post-election. Um, but, you know, Nancy Pelosi does have a diverse caucus. I mean, it was like 30, almost 30 percent or upwards of 30 percent of her caucus voted against her last time. She's going to have a hard time as, as Speaker of the House with, with this a very diverse caucus that wants impeachment. All these, all, all these new members, That's they want Kavanaugh. to impeach. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, starting with Kavanaugh. Wait a minute. Jerry Nadler has already Pelosi announced does not want the, the new incoming head of the Judiciary Committee has already announced he will not entertain any hearings to either investigate Jerry or impeach. Nadler. Jerry Nadler, I'm sorry. What yeah. did you say Jerry Mander. Oh, I'm sorry. Jerry Nadler. Yeah. Jerry Nadler has said he's not going to entertain well. any Jerry hearings Mander. to either investigate or impeach Justice Kavanaugh. So, so uh, yes, I recognize there's some crazies. And we may be in a battle for the soul of the Democratic Party, but I have no doubt that my side's going to win the battle. And, Chris, do you think it's any difference in the stranglehold the Freedom Caucus has had on the Republican Caucus? I mean, both sides have constituencies that are going to try to bend them to the right or to the left. I, I, I don't see Freedom Caucus anymore. I see Trump Caucus. Well, I'm not sure there, there is a Freedom Caucus anymore now in the there minority. There definitely is a Trump, Trump uh, Caucus in the Senate. Yeah. And as your point about earlier about Collins and Murkowski being less less important in uh, future discussions of the Supreme Court, I think are correct. And I think a lot of conservatives and uh, and a lot of uh, evangelicals they vote because of the court. 
and it was good news for those that want a more conservative uh, Supreme Court. Thanks to our guests for being with us in hour number one. They are so great. We're going to invite them back for hour number two, and we're going to begin that hour by talking about uh, the horrible fires in California. hard enough, go off the beaten track far enough, you'll find an America teeming with the unusual, the odd, the downright strange. I'm Will Klinger, and I'm your guide on a package tour we like to call Wild Travels. Join us on our weekly road trip to see America's most offbeat and unusual attractions. Wild Travels, available on your local PBS station. Or it darn well should be. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live. The experience. For the first time ever, get an inside look at the making of SNL. Critics nationwide are raving over 500 artifacts direct from the show. Be a part of Wayne's World, Weekend Update, and so much more. Experience all it takes to put the show together. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications at 360 North State Street in Chicago. For tickets, visit museum.tv. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida, so why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sit cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood. 
Dumont back in Chicago for the last week. Uh, those living in California, both in the south and the central and the northern part of the state, have been devastated uh, by forest fires. And uh, joining us now to give a, her report on what's happening uh, in the Golden State is Heather Jordan. Uh, she is a reporter for KNXT. Uh, that is the intercom station in Los Angeles. Heather, thank you very much for joining us on Beyond the Beltway this evening. Hi, good evening. What can you tell us about what's happening uh, uh in the fires in the south portion of the state as of this moment? Well, as of right now, we have two main fires here in Southern California, the Hill Fire and the Woolsey Fire. Um, Firefighters definitely getting a handle, uh, so to speak, at least today. Nothing, uh, as of this morning, between this morning and now, we just had a report out by the, um, uh, the fire officials doing a press release, or I'm sorry, a press conference a few minutes ago, so I'm still gathering the notes from that, but they haven't had any forward movement, which is good. It appears right now we're just working on the hot spots, but only 10% contained when you talk about the Woolsey fire, which has burned thousands and thousands of acres. Um, you know, over 100 homes have been burned down there in the Malibu area alone. So that's really kind of the biggest uh, biggest area of action that they're keeping an eye on. Um, you know, 10% contained when you're looking at an area that big, it means that this is a very active fire. And with the winds right now, I was just looking at an image outside of Pepperdine University there on uh, Pacific Coast Highway. You know, the winds are blowing so strong that the signs are swinging back and forth. And what that means is that those winds can blow those embers uh, any which direction. That means that there's a home that was maybe spared by the initial fire line. That home could catch on fire later on tonight if the winds blow that ember back into that, that area of uh, where that home is at. So definitely a very active scene. A lot of people are still on edge, full evacuation for all of Malibu. In fact, several uh, cities in the area, Calabasas, Agora, all been evacuated. Um, uh, so that's kind of where we're at, at least at the moment, down here in Southern California. And what's happening in Northern California where the, the fires began in Northern California, correct? Um, well, two complete separate incidents. Um, you know, in this, what's, what's interesting about here in California, you know, the fires can start almost immediately from, for, for so many different reasons. So the ones up north in the Paradise area, um, not whatsoever related to the ones down here in Southern California, um, that one, of course, devastating. If you combine uh, the, the, the fires up north and the fires down here in Southern California together, we have 25 people dead at this point. More than 100 people actually missing up north oh in Paradise. God. So it's, it's uh, definitely a very active scene on both sides of the state, which is, def- is keeping officials quite busy. And what's uh, pretty remarkable is we're, you know, we're getting firefighters, firefighting help, uh, firefighting help that is, and crews coming in from all over the state, in fact, from out of state, to come in and help these uh, two massive areas that are, that are on fire right now. No. A question, uh, and you may not know this because you're focusing on the fires, uh, not, the, not the political firestorm that, that mm-hmm. might be taking place. Uh, the president uh, made some comments or t- with a tweet earlier in the week uh, about the, uh, the management, the management of the forests in the state. Uh, has there been any response at all from any of the political leaders there to uh, the president's uh, comment? I know the firefighters union have spoken out against the president for what they described as sort of a cavalier attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting in conversations I've had with people in my neighborhood and the community talking to people that are out on the fire lines doing these reports. Uh, really haven't seen any comments on that yet. I'm sure there's, there'll be some uh, statements made here soon, but right now everybody's really just focused on the task at hand and, um, you know, 
thinking what, what are the next steps? I know that the governor is pushing for a presidential major disaster proclamation. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that, that we've been working on all day, uh, several of the local uh, officials here in Southern California have also been pressing for that. Mm -hmm. And what that, what that means is uh, it's going to help with funding long-term as well when it comes to maybe infrastructure, rebuilding mm -hmm. of roads, bridges, things like that. So that's really the next step of what we're working on, and that's really the conversation that I've seen at this point. Mm -hmm. Well, I know a number of uh, you know, close uh, personal friends, uh, they have uh, gone out and uh, uh, they have had their homes evacuated and they're uh, you know, heading, uh, heading further east to find a place. Uh, how far east are these fires going? And, and, and is, it, is it all along the coastline or is it primarily just in the northern sector of the state and then the southern sector? Is there any state along the Pacific Ocean uh, where, the, where the fires are not being... Uh, a problem at the moment? Oh, yeah. Oh, we've got thousands of miles of beach okay. line. Um, yeah, this is really, I mean, if you look at the whole state, or I won't say those small areas, looking at the entire state, but, I mean, if, if you look at, let me, let me pull this up here, you know, the, the fire down here in the Woolsey Fire, which is around the Malibu area, right. um, you know, it's 83,000 acres. It's roughly 130 square miles. So give or take the size of Philly or San Jose. The beach that's being covered by that is maybe a handful of miles because it, it goes back into the mountains. So the way the, the area is, there's a lot of mountain, a lot of mountain areas. The homes are all up in the, in the mountains, small windy roads, and then you have the beach line where like Pacific Coast Highway goes along the beach all the way up through to Northern California. That's the fires down here. The fires up in Paradise are actually more towards the center of the state, and that's an area up. Um, just north of the Sacramento area. So is there any is there anything the the state or anyone can do to be preemptive to these? Because these, these have now becoming a, a regular story within the country within each year. We learn about these horrendous fires in California. Is there anything that can be done to better prepare for them or to 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 fight them more efficiently? You know that's the question everybody's asking. Uh, you know, Mother Nature really has a mind of her own. When it comes to preparing, you know, one of the things that everybody's stressing is just be ready. You know, when you live out here in, in a place like uh, some of these dry areas in California, when the weather does get dry, you know, you just have to know. It's no different than living in the Midwest when you, when you prepare for tornadoes. Or, you know, if you live down south, say in Florida, when, you're, when you prepare for hurricanes. You know, in this case, you just have to know what, your, um, what could happen and be ready to take action when those, when those uh, things come your way. Michael Bauer has a question for you. Yeah. Heather, um, I'm actually surprised that it's mid-November and we're seeing these massive fires in California. Mm -hmm. Is the season for forest fires in, in, in the West getting longer and longer now and starting earlier and earlier? You know, it seems that way. We've definitely had uh, higher temperatures these last few weeks. And, uh, you know, this whole last week or two, it's been mid-80s. You know, we've, uh, I've had some friends in from the Midwest, and they're just shocked at how warm it is right now. And if you look at the Thomas fire we had last year, that was in December and January. And I remember last year, it, we were just like, why is this fire blowing out of control this, you know, at Christmas time? Um, okay. But it, it is a good question. And, you know, when you look at the humidity levels today, they're 5%. 3%, I'd think, at one wow. point today. You know, we have such low humidity right now. We haven't had rain. I don't know if the rain is necessarily the issue, but that low humidity and those winds. When those winds pick up, you know, you, you really right. just can't necessarily control it, you know. Dan Proft has a quick question for you. Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, Pepperdine University. I was just wondering if yeah. they're 
is any uh, specific institutions, landmarks, communities that are most in jeopardy right now? You know, Pepperdine is one of the big ones, and and here's what's so interesting about that. And personally, I work at Pepperdine a couple days a week, and so I'm always driving that that road PCH up to Pepperdine. And right now, there's about 3,500 kids that are sheltered in place right now in Pepperdine. So um, right now they're safe, but they're ready to take action if uh, the fire tends to get closer to the school. Heather Jordan, thank you very much from KNXT in Los Angeles at Intercom Station. Thank you for joining us and with your report. Uh, live from uh, California this evening. Thanks, guys. Are you planning for the day when you can retire to your dream home in Palm Springs, California? A day surrounded by spectacular scenery, golf courses, a rich cultural life, and great dining? If you are, you'll need a guide, someone who knows where to look, an experienced broker, someone who knows the desert communities of Southern California and all they have to offer. That person is Brian Beard, who's been making dreams come true for over 13 years, selling over $100 million in real estate, including celebrity and architecturally significant homes to the rich and famous, and more importantly, to people just like you. Brian's company, Caldwell Banker, has agents worldwide, but Brian Beard is your man in Palm Springs. Call Brian now at 760-799-7096. That's 760-799-7096. Or visit him online at briansellsthedesert.com. We're still back in Chicago. And, uh, uh, Randall, you wanted to make a comment about... Uh, what the president has said about uh, what's happening in California. Right, well, bringing it back to politics, Bruce, and the fires are just an unbelievable tragedy. But to see the president's tweet this week about criticizing the uh, the conduct of officials that have allowed the fires to burn out of control and then threatening to cut off federal assistance, if there is room for that in this discussion at this time, where is the empathy? Where is the sympathy for people that are fleeing from fires who are being who are lost in missing and for the destruction that's occurring and i just it's such callous disregard of the uh with both the fires we see it in the hurricanes especially in puerto rico that it's just missing and and it's that's also part of this tragedy i think and what do you think about the the way in which the president has responded in this case and maybe other tragedies well here's what he actually tweeted there's no reason for these massive deadly and costly forest fires in california except that forest management is so poor billions of dollars are given each year with so many lives lost all because of gross mismanagement of the forest remedy now or no more Fed payments. So I agree with uh, Randy that uh, the timing of this is uh, uh, not uh, the most judicious, but um, I also believe that no one and no federal agency or state agency or local agency is above reproach either. So I think uh, to the the conversation we were just having with uh, the reporter out there, Uh, It's fair to ask the question of what California does to try and be preemptive with respect to this problem they know is going to have. The same way we'd say, what does Florida do about uh, preparing for hurricanes when you know that's just part of the landscape or levees in in New Orleans? So the timing is is wrong, but the underlying questioning of authorities and their performance is legitimate. Michael, again, uh, the president sometimes seems to have an absolute perfect ear for what the public uh, thinks is thinking about. That's, I think, why he got elected. 
But then there are other times he seems to be about as out of it as anybody possibly could with, with the lack of empathy that, that, that right, Randy talked right. about. I don't, even, I don't even think we got thoughts and prayers uh, tweeted this week. So, I mean, you know, or to turn it into a, a political issue or, or uh, I mean, even the firefighters, which he normally stands with. I mean, they were taking a, you know, a shot at him because, uh, frankly, they just don't think he knows what he's talking about. Well, I, I think one of the things that many of us will always remember about the first two years of the Trump administration is the uh, hurricane in uh, Puerto Rico and Trump going down to uh, San Juan and tossing some paper towels to, uh, to some of the people nearby. And, right. and that's, just, that's just a horrible, horrible scene. And, and, yeah, I think the guy lacks empathy. He doesn't know how to be empathetic. And I, isn't I, and I, isn't that a key? Coming back to the the, the suburban Republican women, who yeah. everybody talks about, yeah. isn't that part of it? It isn't just it isn't just uh, you know misogynistic comments by the president. It's it's things like this. I I, it, I, I do agree. It's taken a toll. You could see it in the numbers. Um, no question about it. I mean, it, I don't want to pile onto this any more than it, than what, what we've already said. I mean, it's appalling. It's stupid. It's heartless. I, but, I, you know, I think part of it, I, Trump's base gives him a pass on a lot of this stuff. I think he feels emboldened because yeah. of it. Um, I think he sees the world through his own impulses and wants. And I, I think in large part, subconsciously, all of us are kind of budgeting in for this. Um, because, quite honestly, in two days from now, two days from now, something will happen and we'll have forgotten about this. So, and I think Trump understands that we, himself. We, we will have forgotten about it, but the people in California who've lost their lives—I don't disagree, and, Bruce. And there's 25 yeah. or I don't disagree. people who've lost their homes. But, they're never going to forget about it. But and, but, many, but, and but, many of them are. You know, we're thinking of these California fires as being in Malibu, and there are many wealthy areas and, and homes. So maybe maybe it's a little more difficult for the average person to be empathetic about them. Yeah, but, but a lot of people. Who are, who are dealing with this are not wealthy Hollywood stars. You're, but you're presuming that Trump's decision making is anything but crass, and I, I, I think I think a part of him, and I know you might, I know, I know you'll disagree with that, well, Dan. I think but, but I'm, I'm just saying, I, I think I think when Trump looks at these fires, he sees blue California, and like, I think that factors I, into. Oh, I yeah. think that factors I into. Can I tell you something, Chris? How he, how I, he looks I think you were 100 percent correct. Yep. I think yeah. he looks at this and says, "There's no electoral votes for me." Yeah. I don't I, uh, no just loss. like I don't, no Rico, I don't I don't care about Puerto Rico. I don't I don't care about California. <clears throat> well, I mean, not caring about Puerto Rico, the governor of Puerto Rico would disagree with you in terms of his assessment of the federal government's response to the hurricane. That's number one. Number two, just as a counterexample that's uh, recent in our memory, uh, but uh, to Chris's point, we're not talking about it anymore, but the massacre at the Jewish synagogue in Pittsburgh. Uh, you'll know Jeffrey Meyer, the rabbi there, who invited Trump and got a lot of heat for inviting Trump and welcoming him. He's my president, he said, you know, because he's the yeah, president. That's the right thing to do. Um, but he talked about his private meeting with President Trump and Melania and how empathetic he was and that it would probably surprise a lot of people to hear what a nice uh, visit they had where he showed uh, him into the synagogue and he talked about the victims of that massacre and um, – you know, b b expressed a very different perspective on Trump than you're otherwise likely to hear. The, the, the bar is really low, yeah. too. <laughs> really well, low. Well, well, not not for him at that moment it wasn't. Not for the rabbi in that moment. And so my point is to say 
Um, has the guy lived a lot of his life as a cad? Yes, he has. Is he intemperate? Does he communicate the way that I would like a person to communicate all the time? No. But to, to caricature him as this one-dimensional person who's just this tweet um, it, it, and just dismiss everything else that suggests it's a complicated person, like a lot of us are complicated people, and sometimes we're good and sometimes we're very bad, and when we're not particularly concerned about uh, the perception of us in the world, uh, we can be perhaps amplified to be more bad than we actually are. Just a little bit of context. But we, you know, we, we, we don't have to extrapolate. Trump tells us exactly what he's thinking. There's no filter between thought and speech. I mean, what he did at the, the press conference where he, na- he danced in the graves of all those Republicans yeah. who didn't pledge fealty to him, that's Trump perfectly right, right there. So what? Perfectly. Well, it, politics. It, it, so what? You didn't. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't take the embrace any loss. It, it, that's him. Well, and, 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 so and that's his, and, that's his analysis yeah, that he is right. It's it's petty. It it's short sighted. It's mean. Oh God! Everybody's so dainty when well, they get no, criticized. No, no, but sounds more like a godfather than a president. It's not a commentator on MSNBC and a roundtable talking. I understand. That's why. That's why he's the. That's why he is the president of the States because he's not another one of these lobotomized drones on. Cable TV. Yeah. That's why he is the and, president. And, and, and so there's a real question, and, and I, I know you, you don't totally agree about the long-term prospects of the country, but those Republicans who lost, those are suburban districts that we need to be a majority party. Right. And, and so there's a real question there, and I, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think the litmus test should be. We- do you support Trump or not? That's that's not why I'm a Republican. No, I agree we also, with that. We also agree with that. we also need to ask, and I just got this tweet from a, from a listener in Southern California. We also have to ask in these cases, in all fires, we have to ask, is arson involved? Now we don't know that yet in these fires, but okay. last year yeah. there was arson. Right, yeah. there was arson, right. and that is a that is, that is a that is a that's a domestic terror act. As far as I'm concerned, and again, uh, if if we get the reaction and, and we get lives lost and we and we get all these other things that happen automatically, I mean, the, the lives that are ruined. I mean, we've got we've got to look and, and we've got to find those answers. Well, that's I, I, sooner I mean, than later. Re, so restraint is good on the part of politicians as well as the media when it comes to these. Uh, tragedies, just as the uh, shooter in that nightclub was identified as a Middle Eastern man initially, but it turns out he wasn't. And so, no, you know, report what you know to be true, ask the questions that we need answers to, and wait for those answers to present themselves. What is your interpretation of what happened uh, in in Pittsburgh, the the tragedy at the uh, synagogue that Dan just referenced with the president? What, What do you know about why some in that community synagogue did not want the president there? Well, some people felt that the president uh, w- were explicit in making the president feel unwelcome because they think that he has contributed to the uh, rise of anti-Semitism in the country. Uh, the rabbi at Temple of Life, I think rightly so, welcomed the president. You know, he is the president of the United States, and the office deserves a certain level of respect and welcomed the president of the United States. And I'm told by people who know Trump well, or have interacted with him, that one-on-one he can be very charming, all right? And apparently, as, as Dan said, the rabbi talked about afterward how, how Trump was showed, did show a great deal of empathy for uh, what happened at the Tree of Life. Is that responsive to your question? Okay. Let's go to Rodney in Oklahoma City. Go ahead. You're on the air. Listening to us on Sirius XM tonight. Hey, Good morning or good afternoon, gentlemen. I work okay. night, so it's morning okay, for me. Okay, whatever it is. 
<laughs> Have an omelet on us. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, one thing I want to point out about the California deal is the stable genius doesn't realize 60% of the forests there are uh, federally controlled lands. The dude, the, our reactionary president should take a, a moment or two and actually learn something before he tweets. And also, you know, if we're looking at the um, the Pittsburgh tragedy, um, the next day Donald Trump didn't tweet anything about uh, condolences to the uh, the departed. Um, he talked about how great it was that he was welcomed there. He makes everything about himself. Yeah, now, silly. now, uh, one thing that people don't realize, I don't think, even in the Republican Party, um, here in Oklahoma, we're, we're, they say we're the, uh, one of the reddest of the red. Not anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, well, um, Look, we did lose seats in the House, but it was a realignment. I mean, now you have uh, solid counties like Oklahoma County and Cleveland County, where I live, and Tulsa County and Cherokee County, um, which are urban districts. Um, they, they're, they're blue now. Um, even in the gerrymandered Oklahoma world, they're blue. Um, but... One thing I want to point out, Rodney. Rodney, we're going to pause right now. We're going to we're going to keep you on hold, and when we come back okay. after the break, you'll ask your question. Okay? Thanks for okay. calling. Stand by. Thank you. Yep. Are you headed to Los Angeles, looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four diamond hotel experience with a convenient location. It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City, just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City at HiltonUniversal.com. They let you be the star in Hollywood. Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Back in Chicago. Let's go back to Rodney. He was just, uh, he was winding up his preamble and he was about to ask a question. Go ahead, Rodney, from Oklahoma City. Yeah, well, and, and another thing, I think it was on your show last week where someone said um, we need to pay attention to who gets elected. And, and, and here in Oklahoma, we had our version of the the Freedom Caucus, called the Platform Caucus, they're, they're now gone. Every one of them got wiped out. And, and I'm represented now by a, um, a Republican that, that got one of the Platform Caucus people out. And um, they're mailers, and when I talk to her personally, she's talking about reasonable Republicans. And if you look at Oklahoma, statewide, yes, the Republicans took a greater control of the House, um, but it's a totally different type of Republican. It's a center-right Republican. Mm -hmm. 
And um, and I think that that also is part of the damage that Donald Trump has done to the Republican Party. Well, but you say Even it's a, you say it's a center right as opposed to a right uh, wing party. I mean, wouldn't you agree uh, that at least in certain certain states, and maybe this is part of this changing, is that at least in the in, in the area where you live, that it seems to be a center right country at that point. Yes, not everywhere. I, totally I mean, agree. I think that's you know you you look at what happened in the state of Kansas. They now have a Democratic governor because the Republican governor that was running, Chris Kobach, who was the Secretary of State, he was viewed yep. as being too conservative or too right wing for Kansas. So they now have a Democratic governor. But I I wouldn't say that Kansas is a Democratic state because of one election. He also ran a no. terrible campaign. Well, that, well, well running campaign. Here's my point on that. Let's go to a question because I've got to move on with other people, Rodney. Okay, okay. You wanted to talk about Sessions, didn't you, call because you wanted to talk about Jeff Sessions? Yeah, originally, yes, I did. But um, let me make this one point, and then um, if i got time, we'll do the Sessions. Um, What we saw in this election, whether it's Republican or Democratic, because a lot of those members that got elected, like Kinder Horn from here in Oklahoma, they're not leftist Democrats. They're more center-left Democrats. The country wants solutions. That's, and that is the what we took, that's what I take out of this election. We're tired of the same old crap. We want solutions. Does everybody and, around uh, the table agree with that? Chris Baronis. Do you agree that, that the voters want solutions, or do they want their side to win? No, I, I don't agree with that, because we're not going to see solutions for the next two years. And honestly, I, I, even if the Republicans kept the House, I don't think we would have seen solutions. There wouldn't have been a congressional agenda. Um, I, I think what voters want is a check on Trump. Um, I think voters like the idea of divided government. In fact, a, a lot of good things quite honestly, we came out of time. divided government under Clinton and Reagan. A lot of good Damn things proud. came. Uh, I think it's what you said, that this is all about uh, waving the pennant for my team. I don't think it's about solutions. I mean, you had a lot of ads, Republicans running against Republicans, identifying them as you know, uh, sympathizers with school shooters and NRA toadies. That's about solutions. Lies about preexisting condition protection. That's about solutions. No, it's not. It's about uh, waving the flag for your team and wanting your team to win, generally speaking, and then layer on and send a message to Trump. Uh, Randy, I think we're too divided to see solutions right now. Michael, I think it is about solutions, but I don't think we're going to see them. But I think the voters are swinging back and forth from election cycle to election cycle because they're hoping to find someone in Washington who can work together to come up with solutions to some of the big problems we have. Do you think right now, Randy, uh, Rodney, thank you very much for your, for your call. My question is this. Do you, do you think that Donald Trump is going to be able to get along and move more legislation with Nancy in the House than with Paul Ryan in the House? Yes. Are, are there issues... You know, whether there are issues that have been discussed as yet, I don't think we're going to get a solution on immigration. But are we going to get a solution on some big issue? I, 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 you know, um, there certainly was that hype in January of 2017. I, I think Trump is a hammer. And to a hammer, everything's a nail. And 
to use another, to, to mix up the analogy even more, uh, uh, he's only got one speed, and it, it might... Some it, might say he has a screw loose. Thank you for making okay. it a trifecta, well, Bruce. These a trifecta. So, politically, you could see how it would make sense for him if we're going to resurrect this um, infrastructure thing. Um, that, well, that, that was just like a pipe it. dream. That's no. Uh, that's what you. So what they'll come to agree on, I, I'm afraid, is just spending. Right. No. Spending stuff. Yeah. Infrastructure kind of, and other horrifying. spending and entitlement yeah. spending and just spending money that we don't have, running up bigger deficits, adding to the debt, adding to the unfunded uh, liabilities. That's it's, what I think they'll agree on, and nothing else. I think they'll agree on prison reform. I think prison reform is a left-right issue. Uh, that can be uh, negotiated through Congress. Let's go to Ottawa, Kansas. Speaking of Kansas, let's go to Ottawa. And uh, Tony is listening to us on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Go ahead. Hey, guys. How's it going? Tony, where's Ottawa? Uh, Ottawa is a little bit southwest of Kansas City. Okay, very good. What's your comment tonight? All right, well, I I had a a couple things. Um, One of the things I want to talk about is the cop. The, uh, it seems to me everyone does want compromise, but right now there's no compromise that seems to be possible out of the Republican Party under uh, McConnell. Though there are people in both parties who do want to compromise, but they're just not the head of the party. Yeah, yeah McConnell is known as a real ideologue. I mean, McConnell's entire Senate career has been a deal maker. This is the this is the whole thing. People use words like compromise and bipartisan compromise. They're meaningless. They're aphorisms thrown around. People talk like polit- the politicians that talk at them. Compromise exactly what kind of compromise on specifically what issue? Because otherwise, compromise in general can be good or compromise can be bad. Compromise could be I'd like to steal all of your possessions, and no, we agree that I'm only going to steal half your possessions. That's a compromise. So be specific. Don't give me anodyne bromides that politicians give me. Tony, let me, let me follow up on that. What is your bipartisan uh, suggestion for illegal immigration in the country? Well, I, 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 the wall is not effective whatsoever unless it, it's effective in certain locations where there would be people to man it. Because without a, a manned wall, is only effective. An unmanned wall is an object. I think that there should be sensors put in place, uh, whatever technology. There's technology that if you look on popular mechanics that uh, talks about using cell towers to be able to actually find people who are crossing the border and then respond to the people instead of putting a wall there and then hope you know where all the holes are. Do you believe that the dreamers should be uh, allowed to uh, provide a pathway to citizenship? Those that are in the country right now, uh, not those that are trying to get in the country, the ones right now, should they have a pathway to citizenship? I think not only have they shown that they are productive members of society, but they're also a large part of our, a good amount of our economy. And um, even though their parents were the ones that brought them in illegally, they are now a part of society. Now, Chris Veronis, that's a, that's a policy you could agree with. At that point, you could agree with, right? As a Republican? Well, I, I think a lot of Republicans could get behind that as well. Um, I, I think Trump... Or are they the, on, are they on the 45 Republicans that have already left Washington? <laughs> well, it could be, but Paul Ryan was very much pro-DACA. Paul, Paul Ryan was very much pro-immigration reform. There's a lot of reasons why these measures couldn't come to the floor. 
Donald Trump at, at one point was, was very pro-DACA. Um, until he wasn't. Until he wasn't. Right. And, and until so, the Democrat, well, the Democrats changed their, look, their minds look, on Look, it. the po- politics doesn't go just one way. Right. 100%. Sure. 100%. You know We're going to see two years of total gridlock in Washington. And, and, and I'm sorry to say this, but I oftentimes focus on the who, not the what. And the, and the reality is that, the t- that there are three major players, Trump, McConnell, and Pelosi. And of the three, two of them are really the heavyweights because McConnell can be pushed by Trump. So it's Trump and Pelosi. And ultimately, they not only don't like each other, they don't respect each other, and neither one wants to work with the other one. So I don't see how anything's going to happen. I'm not so sure they don't like each other. I've I've not heard that. Uh, And I thought in the campaign, wasn't there a criticism of Trump that he once upon a time gave money to Nancy Pelosi? I mean, I think there's a political relationship there. I don't is, see them. Is this like a hate is not the opposite of love in differences? <laughs> <laughs> Tony, last word, to you, last word to you. I, uh, someone did make a comment about me making bromides about just buying five bucks cars and shit. Yeah. But if me. you look at every single, uh, yeah, if you look at every single policy that they tried pushing through, there was always a bipartisan agreement in the background that they didn't look at that, you know, the, um, the, the one we just talked about, the illegal immigrants. The, uh, the health care. There was always a bipartisan agreement that was being worked on that was being completely ignored in favor of a one-party, one-sided bill. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. We're going to move on. Thank, like, o- like Obamacare, you mean, for example. Well, what, about the, what about one of the issues, one of the big things that came out of this election uh, out of the state of Florida is that ex-offenders can now vote yeah. right. in Florida. And again, it, it passed, I think, with a one, pretty good one margin. And, right, right. and uh, obviously, it's a, it's, a, it's a Republican, blue-purple state. Uh, does this issue represent an opportunity for the Republicans, and I mentioned prison reform, uh, does this represent an issue that the Republicans might be able to make some inroads into a constituency group either that they have ignored in the past Or is this going to be a constituency group lost to the Democrats because the Republicans don't want to play ball on the subject? I want that's the question. We do have to pause. I want to get your reaction, Dan, and everybody else's, as well as we're going to check in with Mike in Spokane, Washington, who has an important conversation to join us. Thank you. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida. So why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sit cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com.
There are thousands of Americans uh, living in California who lost their homes uh, last week. Uh, Joining us now is Tamara Henry, and uh, she is one such person. She joins us from Yuba City. But, uh, Ms. Henry, thank you for joining us. Our condolences on the loss of of your home. Tell us a little bit about uh, where you were and and what happened and and how how it's changed your life. Okay. Thank you for the condolences. Um, I was in my house. I thought I had woken up in the middle of the night again because it was so dark. Um, And then I got a call from another person in town who said, Pack up some stuff. We're on evacuation. We got to go. Pack up and come over here. And I said, uh, I got off the phone and started doing that. She called me back five minutes later and said, just get out. Get out now. And so I ran and got my dog and jumped in the car. And I got a block from my house, and I was driving past fire. A whole yard thing was on fire. And I got only another maybe block or two before I was in gridlock traffic. This is on a mountain. There's only two roads to get off that hill. And it was just gridlock, and it was pitch black, and it was just, and you're trapped. You're terrified. It was terrifying. And then it took a couple of hours to to just get a couple miles down the mountain. And then when I popped out into daylight, and it's still terrifying. You're trapped. You can't go anywhere. And they're Police, everyone in the road, uh, directing traffic, trying to help manage the situation. People were being amazingly cooperative because there was a lot of fear going on. Now you got and, you got you got this information tomorrow from a friend of yours who called. Yeah. What what sort of advance notification are you getting either from the local radio station, television, or or are those signals already gone uh, at this particular time for you? How did you? There was, no, there was nobody going through with loudspeakers? Nobody was going through with loudspeakers that I heard, and I do not know if they were on an early warning system. I just moved up there in uh, April, so I'm still integrating to the area, and so I don't know if there's a way to get a notification on your phone or what, but that's how I heard about it. And people were calling each other, telling each other, and um, yeah. So where then, did you, you know where what? did you I'm end up when you, when you're on this bumper to bumper highway uh, on the mountain? Where, where do you end up? Where do you get off that mountain and know that you're you're safer okay, than? Like I said, <laughs> there are two two roads off that hill, and I you didn't have choices at that point. They were directing the traffic, which was gridlocked. It took me probably two, and two, two and a half hours to get less than five miles from my house. And when I popped out into the sunlight, finally, I, I was still trapped. I was out of the black now, but it's still, you're still scared. You can't move. You can't, you can't do anything. And there's just dry hills all around. Is there fire on both sides of you as you're doing this? uh, At that point, no. Uh, Initially, there was fire on one side of me. And then I got out far enough. Uh, I know other people had it worse. And they had people burned up in their cars. And people got out and ran. Um, I was lucky. I got people called me, and I was earlier. But again, earlier to sit in the traffic trying to get out. But I have to say this. I was blown away as I'm sitting there 
terrified trying to creep and inch my way down the hill with long pauses of no movement in between, and I'm panicked, and, and then come roaring up the hill, fire trucks. Every 20, 40 minutes, another little batch of fire trucks would come roaring up, and I just burst into tears. I thought, oh, my God, these people are driving into that, that we're all desperately trying to get out of, and they're going in. The only thing in the world that could have made me turn my car around was if my kid was in there. And these people are going in there to do this for total strangers. I, I was just blown away at, with just gratitude and respect and admiration for just the, the mad bravery of these emergency people. How did you receive the news that your house uh, was destroyed? Um, well, I had a Did somebody call you, or did you see it with your own eyes? No, they won't let us back in. Um, we're not allowed back in yet. Um, we heard how much was destroyed, and I saw how close, like I said, the fire. there was fire a block from my house, less than a block from my house, so I didn't figure I had a good chance, but of course you can't help holding on to hope. I mean, that was everything. I lost everything, everything from my deceased father, everything from my daughter's upbringing. I mean, everything, everything mm. is gone, everything. And so um, how did I know for sure? Actually, today, my neighbor across the street, because um, it's a small community, and even though I'm new there, I made friends and integrated, and one of my neighbors texted me today and said he'd heard, I don't know how, that our whole neighborhood was just leveled. There's nothing left. And then, of course, expressed concern for the old couple on the block, hoping that they got out. And, yeah. And where are you, where are you, where are you tonight, since you no longer I'm, have a house to live in? Yeah, I'm one of the lucky ones. My mother lives in Yuba City, and so I came down to Yuba City. It's been really hard to breathe even here an hour away because we're in, like, a high level of danger, like not even red on the AQI, the tomorrow, air quality index. Tomorrow, Henry, we are out of time for our broadcast, but I thank you very much. I think you paint a, a vivid picture that everyone listening to the program this evening can relate to. We wish you uh, uh, Godspeed in, in what your future will bring. But again, thank you for that first-person account. And again, a reminder, underscoring what you said, the tremendous job that firefighters do, not only in this case, but every single night and every single inch of this country. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thank you, and good night for our guests. Thank you. hard enough, go off the beaten track far enough, you'll find an America teeming with the unusual, the odd, the downright strange. I'm Will Klinger, and I'm your guide on a package tour we like to call Wild Travels. Join us on our weekly road trip to see America's most offbeat and unusual attractions. 
Wild Travels. Available on your local PBS station. Or it darn well should be. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live. The experience. For the first time ever, get an inside look at the making of SNL. Critics nationwide are raving over 500 artifacts direct from the show. Be a part of Wayne's World, Weekend Update, and so much more. Experience all it takes to put the show together. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications at 360 North State Street in Chicago. For tickets, visit museum.tv. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida, so why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sit cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe, catch fresh fish for dinner, even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood. 